Don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. History is said to repeat itself, but in some places, history never dies. This seems to be especially true in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The city has enough haunted locations and lore to keep even the most avid paranormal enthusiasts occupied for several hours a month. From the Ada Witch to Sanford's Folly to the Grand Rapids Library, there is no end to the spooky stories. Today we will talk about maybe the most haunted location in Grand Rapids, the Michigan Bell Telephone Building. Many people who have worked, visited, or studied in the Grand Rapids, Michigan Bell Building have long acknowledged that things are not quite right on the second floor. Some have reported the distinct feeling of being watched as they walk through empty hallways, of a presence, malevolent and unseen, that causes the temperature in rooms to plummet, open and close doors, play with light switches, and even move ceiling tiles. One employee was walking to the elevator at the end of his day when he noticed a young woman he had never seen before standing on the stairs. He stopped and was just about to ask her who she was when she vanished into thin air. Rumor has it that workers in the Michigan Bell Building have grown so uncomfortable on the second story that the telephone company has vacated the entire floor. While no one ever hits the number two button on the elevator anymore, there has been more than one instance when the elevator stops there anyway. The doorway opens, and for several tense moments, the person on the elevator stares into the darkened hallway before the door closes again. Some witnesses claim to have caught a glimpse of a terror-stricken woman running from an unseen assailant just before the door slides shut. Some have frantically opened the door to assist the woman, only to find the hallway deserted and deathly quiet. The origin of the tortured spirits that haunt the halls of the Michigan Bell's second floor is believed to be buried in the history of Grand Rapids. It's a gruesome story of domestic violence that goes all the way back to 1907. Then, an ill-fated young couple moved into downtown from Detroit hoping to make a new start in the bustling young city. Warren and Virginia Randall rented a house downtown on the corner of Davidson and Fountain Streets shortly after arriving in Grand Rapids. While we cannot know what kind of relationship the couple had in Detroit, or even during the first year of their new home, things went tragically wrong after Warren was crippled in a gruesome workplace accident in 1908. Working as a brakeman for the Grand Rapids and Indiana Railroad, the young man was standing in the wrong place when a car derailed. He ended up losing his leg in the ensuing carnage. 
things got hellish in the Randall household after that. Warren could not come to terms with his new wooden leg. Everywhere he looked, all he saw were the limitations of his sudden handicap. And it was not long before the workings of his mind changed to match the mishap and lurch of his one-legged limp. Virginia Randall received the brunt of his vicious insecurities. We have no way of knowing if Virginia grew distant after Warren's accident. It's quite apparent that he became convinced his young wife was unfaithful. Neighbors reported frightful arguments coming from the Randall household as he started giving voice to his jealous neurosis ever more frequently. His roaring accusations were heard down the entire block and soon everyone was whispering about Virginia's trysts with the fruit vendor, with the local butcher, with every man Warren could think of. Things got so bad that on one night, Warren was spotted chasing his wife down the street with a straight razor, threatening to kill her. Virginia finally left Warren early in the month of August 1910. Who knows what Warren promised Virginia, but he lured her out on the evening of August 26th. It was a fine night, and after the couple went on a carriage ride, they ended up back at their old home. What transpired next will forever remain a mystery, but at some point, after they had closed the door of their rooming house behind them, Warren must have decided that life was not worth living. Postmortem investigations revealed that Warren had clubbed Virginia to death with his wooden leg. He then dragged her into the bedroom, locked the door, stuffed towels in every opening in the room, and then unscrewed a gas fixture on the wall flooding the room with deadly fumes. It seems that this death by asphyxiation was not working fast enough for Warren. He then slit his own throat with a straight razor before the gas killed him. Nobody gave any thought to the heavy silence that had descended on the Randall house until about two weeks later. That's when the neighbors noticed a ghastly stench coming from the place. Members from the Board of Health and the gas company were sent to investigate. Upon opening the front door to the house, all of the agents present recoiled in disgust at the combined stench of gas and decay. By the time the police were called in and broke into the couple's old bedroom, both of the corpses were blackened by rot. Warren could only be identified by his wooden leg. No one moved into the house after the discovery in the bedroom. The entire neighborhood was aware of the oppressive foreboding that hung in the air around the place. Stories of strange noises coming from within began to circulate only days after the corpses were taken out of the house. Strange cries were heard in the middle of the night, and the lights were seen flickering on and off. Parents had taken to telling their kids not to play anywhere near the Randall house. It was one of those rare bits of parental advice that children actually take to heart. Indeed, the air of evil that hung over that place was so thick that even adventurous kids steered clear of it. Under consistent pressure from nearby residents, the city finally demolished the house in 1920, 
and for a while, at least, the Randall ghosts were quiet. That changed in 1924 when the Michigan Bell Telephone Company bought the empty lot and put up their own building. There have been reports of strange occurrences on the second floor ever since the Michigan Bell building was erected. People have attributed the thumping sounds, moving objects, and code presence to the incident at the Randall House almost from the outset. The young woman, seen by some employees, usually at the end of their working day, is assumed to be Virginia Randall, and the phone calls being made from the second floor to the Grand Rapids residence in the middle of the night. Phone calls of frantic, unintelligible whispering abruptly cut off by a disconnecting line. Could those, as well, be calls from Virginia, forever reliving the last terrifying moments of her life? Many believe this to be the case. to take on a vampire 